so I am I'm teaching today. Our, my title is Move Forward, Move Forward. Um, I had been spending in some, time, some time in prayer, and I was listening to a message while like cleaning or something. I don't know what I was doing. And um, there was a few things that this person had said that they weren't putting this together. But, you know, when we're listening to messages anytime, like I'm speaking, but the Lord wants to speak through me or he's going to confirm things in your spirit. And so uh, when I was cleaning and doing this stuff, I kind of like began to put these pieces together of what the Lord was saying. And I brought it up to Jay and, um, and, and David. And I was like, Hey, I just have this, this idea, this thought, let's think through this. You know, it really matters how we finish things. Have you ever, have you ever realized that how we finish things? I would suggest matters more than how you started. Um, you could start something great and end really well. Um, you can start things with a good intention and not follow through. Um, when we look at the scripture, if you think about it, how many years of Jesus's life is really told? The last three years. There's all this kind of ambiguous, there are these places where it talks about how the um, how Mary is told of, you know, Jesus is what's going to be happening. Um, we see the entrance of him, and then um, we see him in, in the synagogue at 12, and then the rest of Jesus's life from 12 to 30 is unaccounted for. And then all of a sudden we pick up where? The last three years of his life. Genesis, which I would say the creation of the universe and everything that happened, the most magnificent thing and one of the greatest miracles and thoughts of how Jesus put everything or God put everything into motion is only mentioned in two chapters. It's Genesis 1 and 2. And it's, it's mentioned throughout, but it's not given the whole book of Genesis. But then we read and we see that the end times has a whole book of Revelation, Right? Just think about this. Like, just when we just look at the structure of things, how we end matters than how we started. We know, um, we know about how most, we know about um, Abraham. Abraham literally, it gives like two or three sentence or verses about his lineage. We know nothing about his life really, but we know about his time from the Lord speaks to him to the end of his life. We know about Moses and we know how Moses and his beginning of his life began. And then we pick up again with Moses and how he honors the Lord and walks in obedience to God from that point to end of life. You get what I'm saying? How we end matters than anything we ever start. That's, that's why we are, you know, when they say, well, hindsight's always 2020, right? Because when you get a little further along in life, you begin to notice and learn some things and you can make whatever pivots you need to make. And I realized this week, this sounds so trivial, but my daughter was getting on me because of the way I was treating the dog. Okay, the dog is a really big deal in our house. She was saying, I spoil him. She was saying all this stuff. And I thought, we're gonna have a problem when, we become, when I become a grandparent and you become a mom. I see this already. I can see it. I can hear it. When she's like, mom, you let her get away with everything. I thought, oh my goodness, this is gonna be trouble when I'm grandma, you're mom, and you're gonna be like, mom, you never let me get away with that. Like I, I see it in the wall. I see it in the writing in the wall. It's, it's happening, right? Um, because how we start or how we finish matters more than how we start. How we start as a, as a parent, right? Who I was when I had my first child to who I was with my third child, what I did with one, two, three changes because we change and we learn some things along the way. We know in a race, you can be running your race really well and you can fizzle at the end. You can run the, okay, now I'm not a runner. I actually, when I was typing my notes, I put, I'm not a racer. And then I laughed and I was like, I mean, I'm not a runner. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Because like, I don't even run. I don't even know what it's called. I'm not a runner. But you know, what I know from when I seen with track and, and stuff is when you're running, you could be doing great. But if you don't pass that baton on well, all the work and traction can like fail in that moment. How we end matters. And, you know, so often we start the new year and it's like the new year we come and, and David said something to the effect of, do you think that we start the new year well because we didn't end well? Do we, do we start with these goals because things didn't end well at, at the beginning, at like at the end of the year? And I thought, oh, that's a good point. So something that we're going to do, and I, I, I'm going to talk a little about a bit about it, but I, I was thinking as we were going you know, Jay and I, we teach topically. We don't necessarily teach through a book of the Bible. We don't uh, teach, what was the word we used, Jay, with the E? 
Were you like, huh? There's a word, Larry. What's a word when you're like going through expository? Thank you. That was the word. It slipped my mind. Clearly, I don't use that word often enough because <laughs> I can't even think of what the word is. But I began to think, you know, we come on Sundays. I, I don't know why you come on Sundays. We come on Sundays to gather, to encourage, to be equipped. That's, that's the intent, to be filled up. But what matters is Monday through Saturday, right? And I was thinking, you know, I, I could teach you decently well, I think, through a book of the Bible. I, I, I think I could do that. I, I would think some people might agree. I think I could teach you really well through a book of the Bible. But you know who can teach you better? The Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to like shift things off, like, oh, just like punt it and be spiritual. No, no, no. I believe that in these last days, because we are in the last days, it's not a scary statement. I'm not trying to like move anyone into fear to do something. No, it's just the reality. If you've read scripture, if you're paying attention to anything that's happening around us, like at any level, any level, like micro, macro, whatever level you look at it, you can tell we are closer than we ever have been. You don't need my opinion on certain things in scripture. What we need is a Holy Spirit to read, to breathe life and reveal to us through his word what he is saying in this time. There is a revelation that only the Holy Spirit can bring. And yes, I, as we are privileged and honored to be teachers and preachers of the word of God, that is not gonna change. But I'm gonna tell you, the Lord wants to speak to us through his word. And I believe, this was just a thing, and, and this is an invitation, but I would hope, you know when you go to the doctor and then they tell you what to do and then you like maybe do like two of them or you go to a physical therapist and like do all these exercises and then like maybe you do or you don't. It's going to be that type of situation. We, we, we have decided that from here on out, there's three months until the end of the year. What we're going to do as a congregation, and there's only, only you, it's between you and the Holy Spirit, honestly, is we're going to encourage you to read the book of Ephesians every day, whatever. It could be three, three verses. It could be a chapter. It could be the whole book out loud. Read out loud from here until... December 31st. This is an addition, or maybe it's the only thing you're going to do. And it might sound weird. Like, why would you have us do this? Because there's something in the book of Ephesians that happens that talks about our identity, that talks about warfare, that talks about the armor, that talks about honor, that we have to get a hold of, that the Holy Spirit, I want believe, wants to breathe differently into all of us, that he wants to breathe and teach us as we're reading, because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. This is an invitation. We didn't like make any cards. We didn't, no, we're just saying, and we'll make sure we continue to keep it in front of you. But from here until the end of December, we're asking, would you join us and pray and read Ephesians out loud? And again, this might feel uncomfortable. You might tell me, well, Susie, I already have this reading plan. That's between you and the Lord. This is just what I feel or we agree that we sense that would we just corporately come together in unity with our children or with our youth and read Ephesians? Would we just read it out loud? Because something happens when we read, right? Something happens when we keep repeating. How do I know that? Because a lot of the patterns I find myself in are because of, of things that I've continued to say out loud about myself. They're about patterns and words that I continue to feed into myself. And, the, and I believe the Lord wants to flip the strip on some of us for the end of this year. So we end this season and this year, this year specifically, well, as individually as individuals, but I believe the Lord wants to birth something as well, whether it's in through unity, because unity matters. What, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. What we say matters. What we say about each other matters. And so when we begin to say, okay, my pastor asked me to just read this out loud. So I'm just going to open Ephesians 1, and I'm going to, if I have time to do it, and I'm just going to sit in my car, I'm going to, would you just agree? And we're going to, I'll come back to this and seal it later at the end. But I want you to start, as we're, I'm starting the message with that in mind, that this is about us ending well, not just starting something and never finishing it. You know, um, as, as I was saying, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just deeply sense that the Lord wants to do something. I deeply, like in, like in my spirit, um, 
and and he kept kind of highlighting and I thought, Lord, like this is kind of great. Like this is kind of weird me asking people. But then I realized, um, so I, I put that aside and the Lord began to show me where we would be in, in scripture today. And I thought like, how did those two things line up? And then I was cleaning, I, I got a rug cleaner. Well, I got a, I think it's technically for spots, but I was trying to use it on my rug. And so I put a, my headphones in and my mom had sent me a message earlier this week to listen to. And so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll listen to that and kind of round the bend and start getting ready for Sunday, like my mindset on last evening. And the speaker, she, she opens up and she's talking and then she said, okay, would you, would you turn with me to Exodus 14? And I just started laughing. I'm like, seriously, Lord, like this is exactly where you have me today is in Exodus 14. My mom had no clue, um, but the Lord did and it, and it affirmed that the, what the Lord is saying, that, that he's in the witness of it, that of all places, of all messages that my mom could send, that she had no clue. Um, and even the timing of when I would choose to listen to it, um, it would be in the same place that the Lord has us today. And so I am excited and I have expectation. And we're going to start actually in Exodus chapter 13. Um, if you are not familiar with, with what is going on here is um, because of a famine, the ch uh, children of Israel end up in Egypt. And um, because of Joseph and Joseph's choices and how he chose to end his life, he now is, uh, he's in a position where Egypt is ready for this famine that's happening. Again, talking about it matters how we end more than how we start. So here he is, the children of Israel are in Egypt. It says um, in Exodus chapter one, there's a new king, a Pharaoh who comes in. He doesn't know who Joseph is. There is like two to three million people in Egypt that are of the ch of children of Israel. And basically the king Pharaoh gets... Um, threatened by them and he puts them into slavery. So they go from li literally being in a feast in the middle of a famine to now being slaves and in bondage and, and their rights and all these things began to be taken away. And um, God calls and ordains Moses to go ahead and be the one who calls them out of bondage and slavery. That's basically what happens between one and 13. I would encourage you to read it because it does a much better thorough job. So there's plagues that are sent and Moses keeps relenting and going after the things that God has sent for him or asked him to do, him and Aaron. And finally, Moses agrees, or not, excuse me, Abe, uh, Pharaoh agrees, I'm, you're letting the people go. They're going. That's where we're picking up in 13 verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 17. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. So here they are. He doesn't just lend them out the easy way. Instead, he says, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see the war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, and they placed an oath saying, God will surely, or took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed with the children of Israel under solemn oath saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones out from here with you. So they took the journey around the wilderness and the Lord went before them by day in the pillar of cloud to lead them the way by night in the pillar of fire to give them light so they could go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor by the, the pillar of fire, uh, the pillar of fire by night before the people. So here they are, the children of Israel, they're going. And what I realized as I was reading this is our way often will lead us back to our comfort and bondage. Just think about that. Everything that the children of Israel had already seen and encountered to the miracle of their firstborn children not being killed by the angel of death. And even in the midst of all of that, God says, I'm gonna take them around the way, the longer way, lest their hearts go back and they want to go back to what was. Because so many times our own way will lead us back to our comfort, which oftentimes is in bondage. 
I say that because as we are growing and we want, we're pursuing the things of God, we have to take a look at our hearts and say, are these ways leading me back to things that I've been freed from? Or are these leading me back to where God, or leading me to where God wants me to be? God knew their own propensity of their heart and how so we could, we so often could long for the things that have served us well, but actually have kept us in bondage. There's, there's coping me mechanisms we do as human beings to, to stuff down so we don't have to deal with the junk in our own heart. There's things that we turn to so we can ignore God, so we can say, okay, God, you got me out of this, so now I'm just going to ignore you. And we do things to stuff down so I don't actually have to deal with the pain that is actually really there because do I actually trust that God will heal me? Do I actually believe that God can set me free? And you know what? This pain is, it, it's painful, but it's familiar and it's safe because oftentimes familiar is safe. And so I'm going to retreat back to what is familiar and safe. And I'd rather stay in bondage than be free. You know, I, I am in my, I'm learning, I'm learning. And I don't say this, um, to brag, but I, I, I do say this because I had, a, I had a, a pastor friend of mine who I was asking for some prayer and she just said, Susie, I hear fear in your prayer requests. Oh, man. Thank God for people like that who will say, is this being motiv motivated by fear or because you actually believe that God can move? Do you actually believe God in the circumstance? Or are you trying to control the narrative and what's happening here so that it works out the way you think it ought to work? See, the children of Israel, God knew their propensity of what they would want to go back to. And so he said, okay, now I'm going to detour you a longer way. I know I know, I know, and, and you can testify however this is, depending on your journey with the Lord. I bet if you were to look back, you could see God's faithfulness in, faithfulness in your life in the midst of everything you walk through. So why would he stop? Why would he stop now? Why would he stop meeting you right where you are? God was at work for the children of Israel. He was literally providing cloud by day, fire by night, cloud by day, fire by night. And here the children of Israel were beginning to walk and they, he already knew their hearts are going to want to go back. They were slaves. They were killing their children. Just think about this. The future generation was literally being killed in that moment. When, um, when Moses was, as Moses was being born, that was what was happening. It was King Pharaoh was saying, let's kill all these children. Let's kill the future generation of what is to come. And Israel wanted to go back to that in the midst of seeing God move mightily beforehand. Man, it, it, is, it is, we have to understand this because I don't think things are going to get any easier. And I'm not, again, trying to like move us in fear because their fear, fear does try to act and sound righteous. Fear can sound real righteous at times but it is beginning to shift our perspective and our eyes and look at and say, where am I in my heart someone who goes back to things that keep me in slavery because I don't actually, can't actually feel like I can trust God with this and this. That takes maturity, that takes boldness, but I tell you, God is always at work. He's always moving. Not once have I ever seen him fail in my life, in my life. Not once have I, does that mean my life has been perfect? No, but I've seen the hand of God when I look back and I think you were protecting me there. You were protecting my kids there. You were providing for us there. We've never been without. I've never, never once. And I say that because our eyes have to shift because we will either become, because if you think about it in Luke, or excuse me, in, in Revelation, the one of the letters that he writes to the church is a lukewarm church. He calls out the church for being lukewarm. Lukewarm comes from a place of comfort. You don't want it too hot. You don't want it too cold. I'm just going to find that right temperature where I'm not going to feel any of that pain. And I'm telling you, the Lord is moving. He's looking 
for a church. He's looking for people who are willing to say, I will walk out around the wilderness and trust that you're going before me, that you've been behind me, and that you're going to lead me, lead me through this. The second thing, um, and let's continue on. So the first thing is our way often leads back to comfort and bondage. Number two, the enemy's camp may seem the enemy's camp may seem to outnumber you, but you need to go out with boldness. Let's continue on in verse fourteen or chapter fourteen, verse uh, one through eight. Now the Lord, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Speak to the children of Israel that have turned that they turned in camp before." Piahathroth and Migdol and the sea opposite. I'll just keep going. You shall camp there before the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed in. Then I, God, will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I, God, will gain honor. ESV says glory over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am God, and they did so. What is the purpose of what God is doing? Is it so that Moses looks good? So Moses has a name. So Moses is a great leader and the children. No, it's so that God is glorified. We have to understand that us living here on earth is about God being glorified through us in through us, that he chooses, that he loves us, and he wants to be glorified. And if he wants to be glorified, do you think he's just going to leave you abandoned in the wilderness? What kind of glory does that bring to God? Does he want you dying in the wilderness of where you are? No. What kind of glory does that bring to God? None. God's purpose is that he would be glorified and all would come to know who? Him. Not me, not you, him. Now, it was told of the king of Egypt that the people had fled and that the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people. And they said, why have they done this? That they, why have we done this? That we let Israel go from serving us. Why, why, why did we do this? Things were good for us. Why did we, why did we decide this? Is Egypt's now panicking because their slaves are gone. So he made ready the chariots and he took, he took the people with him and he took the 600 choice chariots and the chariots of Egypt and the captains over all one of them. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh, wait, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh's king of Egypt and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness, with boldness. Let me tell you something, is the enemy likes to exploit us right where we are and our weaknesses for his service. The enemy likes to exploit where your situation and your vulnerable places are for his glory. The enemy wants to exploit these places. And we have to realize that when things feel like they're encroaching in, because in this moment, all of a sudden, just think chariots and all these armies are being released. And it said the children of Israel went on with boldness. I, there is something there. When you look at the story, like as I'm splitting it up, you see the individual points. When we do the whole story, you see the propensity of humanity, right? But this is a moment that we would be people who would say, yeah, the, a thousand might fall at my right and 10,000 will fall at my left, but none will come near me. See, there's a faith in God that's not saying, oh my gosh, there's a thousand falling on my right, on my left, and there's a 10,000 on my right, but what's going to come near me? Those are two different places. When we know who our eyes are set on, when we know that God is faithful, when we know that God is for us, we can move forward in boldness. But the enemy would like us to say, oh my gosh, it was so much comfortable there, right? The enemy would like to begin to feed us lies. Why would you do that? Who do you think you are? God would never love you like that. What, you know, you should just go back. All of these people are accepting of you. Like the enemy just speaks lies. He spews lies that sound like truth so that we get confused. And the Lord is saying, no, <clears throat> move with boldness, move with boldness because I will gain I will gain honor. I will gain glory. This is for my glory. This is for my purpose that people would come to know me. And then this is where things begin to take a turn. Now all of a sudden, they begin to, to freak out. 
despite the miracles that had happened over the 40 years, despite the fact that they walked out of Egypt richer than they walked into Egypt, I'm pretty sure. The fact that they were coming out more than what they were when they went in. The fact that all, like I said, all of their firstborns were covered by the blood of Jesus. Like despite all of these miracles, what do they begin to do? They begin to be like, wow, this isn't very comfortable. What, like, why did you bring us out here? I think that's what he says to, they say, like, why did you bring us where there are no graves for us in Egypt? They begin to complain. You know, what's interesting is what came out of their mouth wasn't praise. It was actually a reflection of what they believed. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I didn't write it. That's what scripture says. It's not my opinion. What's coming out of your mouth when you're under pressure? What's coming out of your mouth when things aren't going your way? Are we blessing God or cursing God? Do we feel entitled? Well, God, why didn't it go this way? Why didn't you do your part? See, the, the, we as a Western culture have gotten very comfortable with the idea of God and lost the majesty and the reverence of who he is. I was, I was uh, once in North Africa and, and a, a, someone who had converted from Muslim, who was Muslim had said, Christians don't fear God. We talk to him and we say things like he's a friend and, and he is but he's God first. There's things that he sees no matter how old we are that we cannot see. There's a plan greater than my own life because Western culture tells me I'm important. What I do matters. Who I am matters. And, and those things are true. He loves us. It says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We are knitted in our mother's womb. He fashioned our days for us. So it, it is absolutely true that we matter, but not as much as culture tells us we matter. Culture has taken away the reverence of who God is. And in this moment, the children of Israel forget who he is. They know him, but they don't know his nature. Do you know God and do you know the nature of who he is? Because when we know the nature of who he is, it is reflected in how we speak of him and how we speak of others. As I was meditating and praying on this this morning, I was getting ready and I'm looking at myself and I'm putting on makeup and I was processing something in my mind that I was an unfair situation. And I was thinking about the, I was thinking about the email I was gonna be writing. Um, and then the Lord just corrected me. You were talking about her to other parents. Man. You were complaining about her to other parents. This, this is this morning. This is like three weeks ago. This was, this, was, this was like, oh, man, the Lord corrected me. Thank, and so I, I repent in front of you guys. I repented to the Lord, and I asked for forgiveness, and, and I was struggling to get my mind in, like, in order to teach this morning. Because I'm over here and I'm thinking, but Lord, I want my life to be a testimony. And then I'm complaining about this person in front of people. Like, that's the thing. Like, that was the thing. It wasn't that I had a complaint. It wasn't that I didn't agree. It was I was doing it in front of people. What kind of, and, and again, the enemy, I wasn't like guilty. Like, oh my gosh, I should just so hide. I shouldn't teach. Like, that, that's the enemy. When you start like getting all drastic like that, it's like, that's the enemy. That's not what the Lord was saying. The Lord was saying, Susie, there's a place in your heart that needs attention. Give attention to it. Right? But the children of Israel began to complain about the God who had saved them time after time after time again. Instead of being thankful, they complained. We need to realize that knowing God and knowing the nature of God is not the same thing. I'm going to say that again. People know me. I'm not like trying to brag. People know me. You can go to places people would say, oh, I know her. Or, oh, that's so, you know, that's Micah's mom or Sam's mom or Isaac's mom. Oh, that's like, there's a lot of people in a lot of places. Oh, I know her. I see her at the coffee shop or um, there's people who know me. 
but they don't know me. They don't know my nature. And this is why we get offended so easily is because we think we know somebody, but we don't actually know the nature of the person. And so instead we hold these judgments against God. First off, we do that, right? God, why would you let this happen? We live in a fallen world. That's why. There's sin all around us. God, what, we get angry with him and then we, because we don't know his, we don't trust his nature. See, people who know me, my kids know that they can call me at any time and I will pick up the phone. They, they know that I will answer. They know just by the way I sleep with my phone on for alerts because I am a chaplain. So if you text me really early or late at night, I get it. It wakes me up because that's part of what I have to do. Not everyone knows that, right? So, but my kids know if I need mom, I can call her at any time. She's going to be there. They know my nature. Their friends know I can come and I can eat openly because they know the nature of our house. The people who don't know us very well, they'll like come in a little like knock. You, you know who's not really been there. They'll knock on the door. They'll ring the doorbell. I'm like, oh, just walk in. They don't know yet the nature of who we are. And the children of God, they knew what God could do, but they didn't trust the nature and actually know his nature of who he is. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trials in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, They will go astray, and, and said, They always go astray where? In their hearts. And they have not known my ways. They have not known my ways in the midst of all of that. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, verse 12, lest that any of you, lest be, uh, beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. He calls our hearts of unbelief evil. What was that? That's right. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you in, with an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. When we are put in pressure situations, it reveals who we trust. Why am I saying all this? How is this connected? Because how we, I believe, how we end this year matters. I don't sense that in 2024, <laughs> like, where are we? I don't, I'm not saying like there's some doomsday that's happening. That's not, that's not, I'm not there. I just very feel, I feel very strongly how we end this year matters as a church. It matters individually, but it matters corporately. Because what the children of, of Israel did individually in their clans and their groups affected what happened as a whole for generations to come. What are our words that come when the enemy is encroaching or you feel like things are being taken away? That speaks of what you believe. Now, there's a different thing than sorting out the details of the situation because then in Hebrews chapter three, right after that, it says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you been heart, unless any of you be hardened through the, deceit, the deceitfulness of sin. When I had that pastor friend of me who, who very kindly, and I know her nature, said, Susie, these prayers are, sound like it's filled with fear. Oh, that was life. Because we are to encourage one another, each other while it is today. God had made a way for the children of Israel that hadn't just stopped. It didn't just stop. When you read verses 9 through 12, you see them start complaining about what's happening and they're panicking. Like they literally went out from being walking out in boldness to panicking because it, the enemy was encroaching. And I can only imagine, like, could they hear? I try to think, was there like chariots they could hear? Like what was happening? But they knew the enemy was encroaching. They knew that all of a sudden I want to go back to bondage over walking through to freedom because something was coming in. And even in that, God still provided a way. 
even through their complaining because he's that's his nature. God's heart isn't that we would suffer. God's heart isn't that we are punished. God's heart isn't to do those mean things to us. That's not who God is. Because even in their complaining, even in their all of that, he still provided a way out. And this is what I love. And, and Exodus, we're, gonna, we're getting there. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. I did skip, but so they're complaining, they're freaking out. And then this is what Moses says. And Moses said to the people, now this part of my Bible is like highlighted, rectangled, like exclamation mark, okay? I'm just gonna tell you because I, I, it says a lot about who I am, okay? It says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. That's rectangled in my, rectangle squared. Stand and then still see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accompany for you today. For the Egyptians who's, whom you see today, you shall never see no more. The Lord will fight for you and your peace and you sh- and it shall hold your peace. That part is like exclamated, circled, reminded. I'm like, yes, Lord, that's how it's to be done. I will stand in your peace. Yes, won't you fight for me, God? Won't you go before me? The enemy who's comes after me, yeah, you got them, right? That's where I want to be. And then there are times the Lord says that. There are times the Lord says to be still. But look at what he tells Moses and everyone else. And I'll tell you that that area is not highlighted squared or exclamation in my verse, just so we're clear, okay? He says in verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and all of his army and his chariots and the horsemen. The Egyptians shall know what? That I am the Lord your God. When I when I have gained honor for who? For myself over Israel, his chariots and his horsemen. I'm gonna say our crying needs to now turn into movement. It is time for we want to be, or I want to be. Maybe this isn't you. There's someone that stands still and said, God, go fight my battles for me. Go hold, I'm just gonna hold my peace. You go do it, God. And I believe the word of the Lord saying, no, no, no. Okay, let's stop the crying. Why are you calling out to me? I've already given you what you need. Now, would you go out and use the staff, which you've been using this whole time and separate. So he still gives instruction, right? He's not just abandoning them. He's not like, go do it. No, he says, go go out there, stand up, split the Red Sea, right? And let them go through and I will be glorified. And the Egyptians will know that I am God. And I'm here to say, and I believe that the Lord is saying, it's time for us to stop our crying, to stop the repetitions and the petitions of things that have not been answered and know God is moving, he is faithful, and it's time to rise up and use the things he's asked you, he's already given you, the words he's already said, the promises he's already spoken, and begin to speak those out of your mouth and say, God, if you are for me, who can be against me? All right, I'm gonna go take that job. Okay, God, I'm gonna love this child and I'm gonna stop talking to the child about these things and I'm just gonna tell them, I'm gonna call them out. Hey, son, a man of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. How are you today? And I'm going to stop being so consumed by the behavior that I'm seeing or the boss that doesn't really like me. Okay, I'm just going to go in. And it says to like put heaps of coal, like be kind to someone with like heaps of gold on their head. I'm butchering that, but you guys hopefully know where that's found. And I'm just going to be kind to them, not because of any other reason, but because you are kind to me and you love me and you're going to work that out. So what am I going to do? I'm going to use what you've given me so that I can see freedom. And so you are glorified, not so that I am glorified. So people come to know you and not me. Because I'm gonna tell you in the situation that I was very angry about, that I was, the emails right in my head, the complaining I was doing, remember that situation? I'm gonna tell you that my sweet daughter had said, you know, mom, what I actually am doing now, I'm like, now I'm really blasting all of this. But she said, I just was praying for this person. I just decided I was going to pray for them. I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to, I'm just going to pray. This is my daughter who's telling me this. 
What is she doing? She's, she's picking up her staff. She's, she's departing the Red Sea that's in front of her. And she's saying, I'm gonna use my words to bring glory to God because she said, this person needs to know Jesus more than, than I need to know Jesus because that's what it's about. We forget that we're like, oh, this is happening for me. It doesn't matter. I'm going to heaven. You're probably going to heaven. I mean, and maybe there's someone here who haven't received Jesus. You need Jesus to get into heaven. That is our, but it's not just about like, okay, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Now I'm gonna go to heaven. No, it's about living a life that's filled with Christ here on earth. So as it is in heaven, it is here on earth. This is what it's about. And Moses was so busy, everyone was crying. And I just love that, that God is like, why are you crying to me? That's, that's what it says. If I ever told someone that, like, could you imagine someone comes in for counseling and I'm like, why are you crying to me? Oh my gosh, I, I, they would be really angry at me. But I, I won't say that to you, I promise. I'm pushing you to Jesus. But the Lord was saying in this case, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now is the time for us to go forward for those promises. The Lord has heard your prayers. If they are not answered, it doesn't have to do with faith. It doesn't have to do with any of him punishing you. That is not it. You've made your supplication. Now begin to thank him for it and move on. It's okay that your circumstances hasn't changed. And this, let me tell you this, if we're waiting for our circumstances to change, for us to then thank God and grow in our relationship with him, we're never gonna grow in our relationship with him. How do I know that? The children of Israel were still in the same spot with God that they had been for 40 years. And all of the miracles they had done never changed their behavior to trust him even more. So if you're waiting like, oh, when God answers this prayer or where God does this, okay, I'm just gonna tell you, then you're really making it more about you than you are about God. He wants to answer your prayers. I'm not God, you're not God. He sees things that we cannot see. I can't tell you how many times in this, and, and I'm telling you, I'm growing in it. I'm being pressed in it. I'm feeling the enemy sometimes encroaching in. I'm, I'm not saying this from a place of like, um, of being on a soapbox. I'm saying this from a place of, I, we have been feeling the enemy cro encroaching. I, I hear him. I see it in our own personal family in our church, in our city, he's encroaching and he sounds really loud and he sounds like he's already won. And I'm telling you that he's not already won because Jesus died and rose again, rose from the grave and conquered death. And so the victory is already ours. And so we're actually walking with boldness as they had started to do when they were walking out of captivity because we've already been set free. Your, your slavery and your bondage is not gonna keep you safe. It's only going to exploit you because all they wanted to do was gonna go and kill the children of Israel. They weren't gonna make them slaves again. They were gonna make them pay. The enemy isn't gonna set you free He's not going to just like, oh, let you go. No, you have to let yourself go and say, I have been free in the name of Jesus. I walk in victory. I have, Jesus has conquered the grave. There's no name other than the name of Jesus. I am healed. We need to change the way we're speaking and talking and looking because it matters. Because I kind of felt like, I kind of feel like, Lord, did I just get my reward in my complaining to the parent? Will I actually see justification or anything that I'm hoping for? Or did I just waste my like reward on complaining freely? I don't know. The Lord's working it out of my heart. But I do know that I know that as a church, as a as we want, we want to see God free. We we want to see God moving in this place. It's time for us to then move forward that those who are here. If you call Chapel Valley your home, it's time to move forward. Those things that you are still lingering, those hangups, those are just hangups from the enemy. Those lies that you're not gonna ever be free, the circumstances are never gonna change, you're always gonna be in debt, you're always gonna be in that's just lies from the enemy to keep us bound, to keep us looking at those things, to keep our attention on, on this. You know when a, a, a bride and groom is getting married, do you know where I look? I look at the groom because there's something so beautiful that happens when a bride, uh, when a groom sees his bride walk in for the first time. Everyone turns their eyes to the bride, right? Everyone looks at the most magnificent thing that's happening. 
but there's something so beautiful to look at the groom. Ah, oh, to see his breath, like you just kind of see him like, you know, kind of get his breath taken away or some, some grooms have cried or the smile that they see. See, the world is saying, hey, everyone, look at the bride. Look at the bride. Look what's happening over here. No, let's turn because we're the bride. And let's turn to the groom, keep our eyes and say, okay, God, what are you doing? What's happening? Where does my attention need to be? You know, one of the most, and I, and I say this and I share this because it is my story, but I need us to understand this and hear this. And I went back and forth. One of the most sacred places I have ever found myself, ever, and all of I've done in birthing children and all of those things, one of the most sacred places I have ever been was taking care of my father when he was dying. It was the place I was the most in over my head. And no one prepares you for that. No one tells you what to do. No one explains to you um, that you have to like give your dad this medicine that's like maybe helping him, maybe killing you. And you feel like you're in a lifetime movie as you're crushing his pills and throwing it at applesauce. I know that sounds, that's how I felt, okay? Like no one prepares you for that. And I laugh because I, I had to figure out how do you navigate such a, a time where all of the weight of all of this stuff is happening. And I remember a friend of mine, um, I was driving to my dad's house, and this was early on. He, was, he had been sick for a little bit, and, I, and this was maybe like March, March or April. And um, I remember I was in his driveway, and I was ca- catching up with a friend of mine, and um, just sharing with her what was going on, where I was at, what I was feeling, I was feeling overwhelmed. Um, I was trying to like be a mom, be a pastor, be a chaplain, take care of my dad. There was a, there was a lot on our plate. It was an understatement. And I remember feeling overwhelmed by everything. And she said to me this, she said, Susie, you don't get to grieve like everyone else in this season. There's things that are going to be asked of you that you need a clear mind. She said, your time will come to grieve. This is not your time. And that sounds cold and heartless and weighted. But in that moment, I knew exactly what she meant. She meant, look to Jesus. He's going to show you what to do. You need to be of a clear mind. Pull yourself together. And I tell you, those words were life to me. It gave me a focus of where I needed to look. She said, you don't get to look at all this other stuff. And sometimes I'm going to tell you it felt really unfair. Sometimes it sucked. Sometimes I just wanted to grieve like everyone else was for my dad. And yet it was the most beautiful, sacred place I would do all over again. I would not exchange it for grieving like everyone else. I would not exchange it for people feeling sorry for me or whatever. That time was the most sacred. And I will tell you that our family experienced God in a way that we could have never experienced before. That what happened in those last days with my dad were the most precious things that someone could ever ask. If you would have explained the circumstance to me, I'd say I can't do it because I couldn't. I had friends, I had friends who were praying. I, I remember the Lord used Mary. I, we love Mary. Mary is family. I remember the Lord would give Mary a word she didn't know. And she'd say, hey, Susie, just so you know, when, when, when someone's getting ready, and she'd begin to describe some things. So don't be alarmed by this. She didn't know. And then not two to five days later, that circumstance would happen. The Lord always prepared me. And then she'd call, and she wasn't calling all the time, and she'd call, and she'd be like, hey, just so you know, how's this, da-da-da-da-da? And I would talk, and I would pour my soul out to her, and she'd pray. And then just so you know, this and this and this. She's not an expert. She's listening to the Holy Spirit. That was one of the hardest seasons of our life because we don't get to live this life without hard seasons. And there was people who were calling me up and telling me, turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. And not in this like, you, where's your faith? Don't believe and be anxious for nothing. No, no one was throwing the Bible at me. Everyone was just walking the Bible through with me. 
I say that because we're walking into a time where as believers, we have to sort through how we deal with pain and things not going our way because it matters not just to us. It's because there's someone who the Lord will use you just like they use my friend Lisa, just like they use Mary to speak life to me, like that would just call, who would pray, that need you to get your eyes and perspective on Jesus, who are walking people through their stuff. that would know that we could be both say, hey, you stand still, but you gotta move forward. You gotta move forward. The Lord will take care of you. He can be trusted. He's faithful. He's not abandoning you, but you gotta move forward. I see that wound. I'm, I'm healing it. My, my, my healing, I, I heal the brokenhearted, but you gotta move forward. There was things that needed my attention in that season and I surrounded myself and I intentionally had to say, I can't look at anything else. I believe how this, and I say that because I believe this year, it matters for us. Maybe, maybe this word is for one person. Maybe it's for me. Maybe how I am. I don't think it is just for me, but it matters how we end this year as a church. And my word to us is, all right, we got to stop our repetitions and we need to begin to move forward. If you've prayed and you contended, move forward. God is working on your behalf. His word does not return void. He has not forgotten about you. You are not a mistake. Your circumstances are not too big for him to handle. He's a God who provided in their complaining, a pillar of clou a cloud and a pillar of fire, who provided food for them every day. Was it what they wanted all the time? No, but it was new every morning. Did they ever go without? No, but they had fresh every day. So I just want to encourage us. I hope this is encouraging to you. Would you just join us and read Ephesians together with us out loud? Let the word of God soak and let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring healing into those places? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to allow the word to bring correction to us. Oh, he doesn't, that's what he did this morning. He brought correction to me. And I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, I thought I was further along. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Holy, you know, there was, a, even this week, there was something else I told Jay. I said, oh, the Lord complained me about, you know, complaining about this and that. And then Jay was like, yeah, I know you. And I was like, okay, the Holy Spirit already did it. Like, you don't need to like re, like, we've already talked. I got it. I got it. My words matter. But I say that to say, what would have happened? What would it have looked like if the children of Israel would have just ended that season well out of the wilderness? If they would have ended the season well out of the wilderness, they would have entered the promised land. That's what it would have happened. And instead, he, he still had the provision. He still did stuff, but it wasn't God's best. So I hope you guys are blessed. Um, I'm going to pray over us, and um, then we can enjoy some cake. Again, if you would like, uh, we'll have uh, maybe Pastor Larry and Veda, you could leave prayer over Israel. <laughs> we'll Pastor, for sure, we'll have Pastor Larry and Veda do that because um, they also have such a beautiful perspective of the big picture, um, and they are passionate about um, just all things the Lord. But I love their knowledge and, and the way that the Lord has revealed to them certain things. And so we'll have them lead it. So, I mean, we'll be here, but in here. Um, so if you would like to pray for Israel, come here. We'll spend some time interceding. Um, that's okay if you don't. We're also going to do some cake. Or if you need prayer or fellowship, we'll do that. Outside. Well, if you need prayer, come on this side. Israel on this side. If you want a fellowship, be outside. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Um, I pray that we would have a revelation of your nature of who you are. Lord, I pray that, um, and I thank you that we all have vast experience and lengths of understanding of who we know you to be. But Lord, would there be a greater understanding of the nature of who you are? Lord, you are a faithful God. Like th that is the nature of who you are. You are a God who does fight for us. You are a God who's went before us already. You are the victorious King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But Lord, would there be a revelation of those things in our heart? 
Lord, that we wouldn't be people who complain, um, but we would be people who would be sharpened by the Holy Spirit to understand and see the plot of the enemy, to set up that sets up snares and traps for us to keep us entangled into his ways. Um, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open in Jesus' name. Our spirits would be quick to respond, not to the trap, but to you. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who would boldly and confidently, we'd be people who would move with boldness and say, not on my watch, not on my time, not in my house, not in my job, not, not because it's about me, but because I walk in the authority that you have given to me. And Lord, you would be glorified through me. So God, we pray and we declare and we thank you that we would be a people who would set our eyes on you, that we would be a people who would not look to the left or to the right, but we'd keep our eyes on you so that this place, this house, this church would be a place that could welcome people who would, and we would not be moved by circumstances. We would not be moved by their entanglements. We would would not be moved by their sicknesses, but we would be moved by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit who freely gives in and through us, God. God, I pray that there would be an awakening in us that we are not we're not people, we're not um, paupers who have to beg for you, but that you say, no, no, child, move forward with the things I've already given to you to do. Move forward. It is time for you to get up, pick up your staff, declare with your mouth the words I have spoken, the promises I have gained. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who would declare your goodness, who would walk with your sensitivity to know the words that need to be spoken in the time. God, but I pray that we would be awakened in Jesus' name, that if there's any slumbering, we uh, I just bind a, a spirit of, of um, apathy. We say you have no place or authority at Chapel Valley. We uh, I bind and curse the plan of complacency, of complaining. We say I I say from here with the authority that's given to me, you have no place in this place to that we would not be a people or a church or a body that complains about one another, that complains about the way God is moving, that is complaining on the timing of him answering prayers. But we would be a people who would rise up in faith and say, if God has done it for me before, he's going to do it again because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we would say, God, your healing would flow in this place. Your wholeness would flow in this place, God. That we would boldly and confidently walk in the authority that you've already given us. We don't need to beg for it. We don't need to plead for it. You've already did it when you raised Jesus from the grave and you say that you, we could go out in your name. Lord, when Jesus, when you were here, you were telling us you wanted to do even greater things than Jesus. So God, we pray that even greater works would be done in and through this place at Chapel Valley, God. That we would be a people that walk in your freedom. That we would be a people who stand up and move forward and we don't look and we're not going to be distracted by the voice of the enemy. God, we declare that as we open your word over these next three months and we declare the word with our mouth as we declare the weapons of our warfare, as we declare and we put the armor of God on, as we declare and we learn about our identity, as we declare and we speak out what honor means to honor one another. God, that things would shift and move in our life for your glory, for your glory so that your kingdom can come and your will would be done so that we wouldn't be a people who get in the way of what you're doing because we don't know you we don't trust you but your word has been solidified in our heart solidified in our mind and we say no but God is for us I have the shield of truth this is what God says about the circumstances that we'd be people who would put up our our shields of faith that would uh, block for other people the fiery darts that are coming before them God, I pray that we would just awaken. I don't want to do church like this anymore. I don't want to do life like this anymore. God, I don't want to be like the children of Israel who have your provision but never make it to the promised land. I don't want to be a leader that leads people just to just enough. God, I want to be a people, that a person, and we want to be a place that knows how to access and contend and press through and go past and goes in the dark of the nights and sets up the, the I was just thinking of, of the battle when they set up the uh, 
lanterns and, and you lit them and had them blow the horns, that we would go into the enemy's camp on your, on, on your word, that we would go up and set up and go after the people who are enslaved and in bondage, that we would be like Moses and Abraham in the new covenant that says you've already claimed them, you've already won, and we would go after people who need you, God who need your healing, who need your promise, who need your hope. Lord, we declare that we would not be a church of comfort. This is not going to be a place of comfort. Lord, that we would be create a place of inconvenience because you were inconvenienced. Of healing because you brought healing that this house would be a place of salvation because you brought salvation. That this house would be a house of joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. That doesn't mean that we're not walking through things. That doesn't mean that we're not walking through and we're not acknowledging, but God, we're acknowledging you first. We thank you, God, that there is something you're doing in this place. And so, Lord, I respond, and if you respond, you talk to the Lord. I respond and acknowledge that there's something you're wanting to do in these last three months, Lord, that it has nothing to do with what you are, what's ahead on the other side of 2024, but that there's something you have for us right now that we can end this season well. So, God, we look to you. We respond to you. We commit to you. We surrender our life to you. And we say, Lord, we trust the nature of who you are. And if we don't know the nature of who you are, would you help our faith to grow, to understand, and trust the nature of who you are? God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray for just protection around us, protection around this word. Lord, that we would guard the seeds that have been planted, that we would guard the seeds that were planted. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.